It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And no practice today, so figured we'd answer some training camp-related questions. So anybody who has any specific things that they're wondering about as far as what's going on at training camp can find out exactly what the story is from the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, you ready to answer some training camp questions? Let's get it. This is what I live for. <laughs> Here we go. First one, which made me laugh, are Rich Simini and Adam Gase at odds with each other? Now, I should say right off the bat, most of these questions are going to be just Chris answering these because he's the one at camp. So I'll throw something in once in a while when I have something to say. But for the most part, Chris will be the one talking about this. I think, Chris, and this is just a hunch based on what I've gathered from talking to a couple of people, this is just kind of how Gase is. He's just kind of a smartass. He plays around with the reporters. The reporters all know it. And I think most people understood that he was just screwing around with Samini. I can't speak to this because I don't know Gase personally, and I certainly don't know Samini personally either. But I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's just playful teasing and he doesn't have anything personal against Samini. Yeah, so let me just walk you through how I experienced this yesterday because I had come home from practice, I was writing an article, and then I went to look on Twitter to get uh, clarification on something. And as I was scrolling through, I see a Samini tweet that out, and I watched the video, and I cackled. And I, I mean a legitimate cackled, like guffaw, all that good stuff. I was dying laughing from it. And I it was... I didn't think that there was any malice, nothing negative. It was, this is exactly how Adam Gase is with us all the time. He's like this uh, cracking jokes with us right before the camera starts rolling. He's, he comes over the sideline sometimes and he does that with us. Uh, one of the first days of practice, he was over there and he was dropping uh, Tommy boy lines. And then I replied back. He was, talking about picking up on the sarcasm. And I was like, because you're laying it on pretty thick. And then we started trading lines back and forth. And he was talking about how his kids are obsessed with that movie. And he just, he's a ball buster. And we bust his chops right back. And uh, like he does it with Kaz, he does it with Smeen, he does it with all of us. And this is how it is. And everybody has at least some friends that you like that with. And yeah, okay, we're not all friends, but we all understand what it is. And uh, there was, I promise you, Samini didn't take that any type of way. He got a good chuckle at it. Um, and even if he did, he it wouldn't bother him. Um, but he didn't mean anything behind it. It was just a joke. He, he definitely didn't want to answer the question. 
But instead of just being like grumpy about not answering the question, I guess it came across grumpy but to some people. Because I went back and I was looking at Twitter later and I saw a bunch of people being, what do you, even is this? Why do you have to be like this? And they weren't understanding the context of this and they were uh, misreading the tone and thinking he was really – uh, you know, being like kind of a jerk to Sabini, but he wasn't. He was joking. And honestly, this is the part of Adam Gase that is super endearing to me. Um, maybe it's because it lines up with my sense of humor. Uh, but I, I think most people have that relation type of relationship with at least one person in your life where you kind of sarcastically making fun of each other and you kind of, uh, kind of just picking at each other sarcastically. That's all this was. It was all in good fun. We all found it funny, and that's that's how it goes. That's how he uh, how he jokes around with us. He keeps light. And listen, for all the problems he had in Miami, the beat writers all raved about him with how they dealt with him and talked to him. Um, so this, this is his personality, and this is who he is, and it's extremely likable. This isn't going to impact any type of uh my coverage if the end of the season i think that they had a bad season and he needs to be fired i'm still gonna say it i'm not gonna say keep the guy just because i like his personality but i do generally like his personality because this is what it is he's somebody he has fun he's funny uh and it, this is harmless there was nothing mean-spirited about it i thought it was hilarious personally like when he said, oh, would you like to know Rich? And Samini said, yeah. And he said, well, why don't you just show up to practice and you'll see. And you could tell the dynamic between the two of them that there was ball busting going back and forth. And I didn't take it as anything other than that. I thought it was really funny. Next question comes in from Tommy Griffincrantz. He says, who has stood out both good and bad at camp that you did not expect? Uh, well, no, we can go the, just the last couple days. We've got Lawrence Cager uh, finally starting to do it. I I was um especially after his first couple of days of camp, I was ready to write him off, but he's been showing up now. Um, Terrell Basham's another one. I don't know necessarily. I want to say that he's like greatly exceeded my expectations, but he has uh he has definitely exceeded them, and I I'm keeping a close eye on him going forward because every day he has showed up really well. Um, Trayvon Wesco is is another guy I didn't. I didn't have high expectations for him at all. Um, I wasn't expecting anything from him, and we've seen a bunch there. Um, he's ba- made a, a, a bunch of plays. Uh, Jeff Smith, another one who's, who showed up pretty well. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, I, ex- I expected Marcus May to be playing, but he's been playing even better than, than I thought. Uh, Bless Austin's another guy these last few days is – really turned it on and as as Denard Wilson said he's dialed in right now and you can really see it on the field um as far as uh, you know somebody who's uh expectations does not mean ex- expectations I don't know that there's anybody I'd say that's been uh, a disappointment oh I should add David Fales has been playing better than I expected to at quarterback I don't know that there's anybody I've, I'm super disappointed in. That the, the, that part is a tough question on this team because just how many weaknesses there are and how uh, shallow they are at so many positions. But I'll just say that I was I was hoping for for all your fans' sake, for 
for the sake of watching more competitive football and hoping a team could uh, be more competitive at the end of the season, I was hoping and expecting to see more out of the offensive line, especially the right side of the line. And we have not gotten that. And that has led to more, more problems with getting the running game going than uh, the passing game. But they, they haven't, again, I didn't have high expectations for it, but they've fallen short for what my expectations were. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, of course, I must ask about the undrafted free agents. Which ones are having the best camps? We've heard about Cager, but anything on the potential Quale replacement, Jared Hilbers, anyone else that you've noticed that came in as an undrafted free agent? Yeah, you know, how much of this is uh, due to the difference in training camp this year, to COVID, all this stuff, I'm not sure, but... This this has been a, a week showing as far as overall the undrafted free agent here. Uh, I got like I said, I got Cager last couple of days. George Campbell, I had a, I had a two good practices a little earlier in camp. Uh, you know, it was against uh, backups still, but he he started to uh, get my attention for a little bit. He's kind of fallen back, hasn't done so much the last couple of days. And outside of that, I really got nothing for you. I mean, absolutely nothing. There's, this is one of these things that we were joking about. Us reporters were joking about it again tonight because 
we're filling out our roster pool where we try to guess all the players who will make the roster. Um, and there's, you know, obviously we know like 30 people that are going to obviously make the roster. And then there's like a whole bunch of spots where it's just like any of these guys, like the, the bubble portion of what is usually the bubble portion of the roster is much bigger than normal. And it could go any different direction because the bottom half of that ro- this roster is not anything to get excited about. And the undrafted age free agents aren't doing anything there. Um, again, the, there's the only real impressive thing on the offensive line at all is at times Makai Becton and then Connor McGovern. Um, and then, Today, there was the Alex Lewis uh, impressively imposing his will in a menacing <laughs> fighting <laughs> way. But otherwise, the offensive line in general has just been bad. So I, I haven't seen anything out of him. Um, and yet, there's, there's really, it's just those two wide receivers that have gotten my attention in any way, shape, or form. And I'm, I'm still not anywhere near uh, putting either of them on the roster. Next question comes in from Chris Wilson. He says, how impressive have Braden Mann's bombs been in person? What's the visual like from the media area? He's he's let off some impressive ones. Don't get me wrong. Some haven't been as impressive, been short, wobbly, uh, but also admittedly sometimes when they go into special teams drills, I'm uh, taking a nice little stroll uh, about 15, 20 feet away from everyone, lowering my mask and taking my water breaks, getting getting my sips of water in. Um, so it's, it's not something that I've been paying super close attention to. I can keep an eye out going forward for you. But he has let off a couple that just, you know, you hear it when it hits his foot, that boom, and just watch it rocket. And it, it is a thing of beauty. But I've also caught a couple where I was like, that – that that's it. That's that's supposed to be the guy. So uh, I'll keep my eye on it going forward. Maybe I'll find another time to take my water breaks. But he's he has had a couple of them that are just really nice. And the the most impressive thing about it is the sound when it hits his foot and takes off. It's it's like you know they always say in baseball about a, a good batter the ball just sounds different coming off his bat. Well, the ball sounds a little different coming off a man's foot. <laughs> Eddie Reckis wants to know how Pirine has looked, and Articus wants to know how Becton has looked overall. Also wants to know if there's any context to the picture of Becton using one hand to block Jenkins while mean mugging him at the same time. <laughs> I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure at the exact moment that was that photo was snapped. I did see that photo, and I got a good chuckle out of it. To me, that I I. My guess is that that play had just kind of finished and Becton had him by the jersey and was just kind of continuing to move him along. Um, that, you know, that's the type of things you see in training camp all the time that seemed to be in much more good spirit, uh, spirited way than the Jordan Jenkins and Alex Lewis confrontations today. So there was nothing, uh, you know, they, they weren't going at each other in that type of way. Um, but yeah, that, that was a funny and excellent pick. Um, overall Becton has looked good. He's had his moments where he's looked like a rookie. Uh, I've talked about this a bunch, especially Jordan Jenkins has used his veteran savviness to, uh, to beat him on plays. And that's apparent when it happens. But again, 
uh, there, he's had his Becton's had his moments where you're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the guy. That's exactly what you hope and want out of a stud first round left tackle. Uh, you can see all the potential in the world, how high the ceiling is on him, but he's still got work to do. Um, just being consistent with his technique, um, work to it. So they're both apparent at times. Overall, though, I'd say he's he's probably further along than I expected at this point. Like I'm not surprised at all, but why? what I see physically when things are going right. But I do think he's probably further along mentally than I expected technique-wise. Basically what I'm saying, I think this year is still going to be a, a up and down for him. He's going to have his moments good and bad. But the potential, like, fans should be super excited about this kid long-term. Um, watching him, I just – it's a long way to go still, but I'm having a hard time seeing how he's not going to develop into a stud long term. Um, yeah, so that that has been uh, fun to watch. On the mental side, I think he's further along than I expected him to be. Uh, again, physically, he's that's what I expected from him, but he's further along mentally. Uh, with P. Ryan. Uh, today he had he he did a couple things that impressed me. He 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 looked really shifty. Um, he he had good bounce in his step. I talk about this every year in training camp. It's running back is by far the hardest position to evaluate in training camp, especially when they're not doing full pads and full tackling, because you know, you look like you're bouncing one every of uh, of uh, uh, for a touchdown on every play. When it's just they're not really tackling you today. This, this I'm going to talk about a receiver right quick. But today, Braxton Barrios caught a pass over the middle. <clears throat> Ashton Davis ran at him full speed, like he was about to drop his shoulder and just blow him up. But at the last second, he pulled up and then went to do a two hand touch on him. But in the middle of him pulling up, Braxton Barrios hit him with a double juke and scooted right by him and ran in for a touchdown. And if you're not like used to training camp practice and seeing how this goes, maybe you think Braxton Barrios just broke Ashton Davis's ankles and made a touchdown. When no, it, it only happened because Ashton Davis didn't lower his shoulder and annihilate him. And that's what it's like with running backs on every, uh, on every play in camp. Uh, the, the defenders always come and hold up at the last second. So it's hard to evaluate, but Today, I, I saw some shiftiness. It's a bouncing this step. That was the first time I was like, okay, okay, I, I can see something here too as well. Um, I'm, I'm not going to anticipate too much playing time for him this year unless, obviously, there's an injury to Bell or Frank Gore. Um, Frank Gore is going to get a bunch of touches this year. Uh, we'll wait to see exactly how uh, – Le'Veon Bell is used and how Gase decides to deploy him. I know that he's talked about using him more, having a, a better plan for him. And Le'Veon Bell is without a doubt in outstanding shape. But I think Frank Gore is going to eat a lot of carries. And uh, P. Ryan's just going to get a handful every now and then. So we'll, we'll probably have more time to be able to evaluate him until like, you know, before he actually, is needed to contribute on a, on a, a large scale. 
all due respect to Frank Gore, but him eating a lot of carries, I think, is what a lot of Jets fans are worried about right now. Next question comes in from Cody John. He says, putting everything else aside, how has Chris Hogan looked physically at training camp? Uh, you know, we've only gotten a couple of days of it, but so far he, he looks good. Um, again, he's not an elite top-tier athlete, but he, he's been impressive. He, he doesn't seem to be you know out of shape or even out of football shape, although we haven't ramped up to full football shape yet. But he looks really good. He looks exactly like uh, uh, you would expect him to look. And again, he, he, he's not the answer for everything that they need right now, but he can help. Next question comes in from Mr. Fay. He says, what is the competition like during practices between Gase and his offense and Williams and his defense? There's a lot of talk about how Williams is very intense and competitive during training camp practices. And obviously, he's a former head coach. So there's an extra element of it where it feels like he's running a unit versus another team's unit. Is there a rivalry there that you can see when covering the team in training camp practices? I mean, there's a rivalry in the sense of, you know, competition and just, listen, this, all coaches are like this. They, they want to beat everybody they're going up against. Um, and uh, this, this is always the case at every training camp. Uh, it's offense versus defense. And, uh, you know, that's why you see these fights breaking out in camp between the players. They're playing against themselves they're playing against themselves the Dolphins is separated and the defense they're like two separate teams this type of year uh the coaches are definitely have a little bit of rivalry going back and forth with each other uh you know trying to get the best of each other and then they get a hold it over the the person until the next practice um it, it might be amplified a little bit more uh with Gates I I'd say I'd probably say it's a little bit less than Rex uh, when Rex was here, but it's definitely more than when Todd Bowles was here. But I also say that that's probably more coming from the Greg Williams side of things than it is the Adam Gase side of things. Um, Greg Williams wants to beat whoever's in front of him, and he doesn't just want to beat you. He wants to embarrass you, and he wants to annihilate you. Next up is two questions that I'm going to combine into one because they touch on similar topics. First, from Sun Moon Rise says, compared to camps from previous years, do you see any difference in terms of vibe and quality in terms of how the players and coaches are acting and performing? And then on top of that, Sean Stalker throws in, every year there's buzz about how there's a vibe at camp that feels different this year, et cetera, et cetera. But this time it's being linked by some to the absence of Jamal Adams. Is this all a training camp trope like the around the NFL crew likes to say, or does it actually feel different without Jamal there? It feels different because it's a little quieter um, because I don't hear Jamal. That's, that's the only thing that can be attributed to Jamal. Um, Jamal, it's, it's, it's not even like Jamal was constantly running his mouth. And I don't mean that in a bad negative way either. He was out there having fun and chirping and joking around. Um, and he genuinely loves football. So he's just in his element bouncing around and just chirping about everybody. They don't have anyone doing that this year. Jordan Jenkins is the closest thing to that. He has seemed to kind of run with that mantle a little bit, but it's like 15% of what Jamal Adams does. 
I was thinking about this the other day, though, because it is interesting. The whole the vibe is different here. Train the energy is a little different at training camp. It does seem to be a, a training camp trope. Um, it doesn't happen every year, like you know, especially and um, some years it might happen negatively. Like Rex's last year, I remember being like, "Vibes a little different there," but it, in a bad way. Um, generally, the vibe being drastically different comes with a new coaching staff, and you know. I, I was there for Rex getting fired to Bowles and Bowles to, to Gaze. And that's generally when there's the biggest shift in vibes. Um, you know, there was Bowles' last year, there was a little bit but with that. But there was a shift in energy and vibe from Bowles, and it was because of Darnold and drafting Darnold. And he was like, I finally got a quarterback. I think we can do something here. We know how that turned out. So the energy and vibe in camp, does it really mean anything? No. Um, how much value does it have in us talking about it? I don't know. But it, it, it's not something we're making up. Um, now, a large, I was thinking about this, too, because I, I wonder – I've never covered a, another team besides uh, the Jets. I wonder what Patriots reporters are doing. Are they talking about this, or is the vibe pretty much always the same – because excellence remains excellent and they're always excellent. Or even if you just go with uh, a team like the Chiefs, before the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year, they were just consistently good. Now, I don't know if the vibe changes year to year there. Maybe the vibe feels so different to us reporters because the season always ends so disappointedly and it's just like, we feel the, the energy and the vibe of the locker room towards the end of the year. And it gets kind of depressing and we're all like, all right, the season's over. Can we just go home for the season? And then we come back and then everyone's excited for football again and the energy levels up. So that's probably just what it is more than anything, but we're sitting there at training camp. We got a lot of things, uh, a lot of time just sitting there. Sometimes we need, to fill with stuff and pointing out that the energy feels a little bit different is something that we all tend to do. Um, I, I tend to side on that. It doesn't mean too much, uh, especially if it's not matched by quality play on the field. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. The thing to look at, uh, but yeah, you know, I'd say the vibe is pretty similar to how it was last year. The only difference is, Jamal's not there, and that's that's a noticeable thing. But everything else about it is pretty much the same as last year. Next question comes in from Gus Toon. He wants to know if the injury situation is weird to you because with Gase the last two years, at least it seems like on paper that there's been an extraordinary number of injuries. Has this been the case, or is this just something where it's people's perception? Because you've covered this team for a decade now. Do you remember this being anything similar to what you saw when Bowles was the head coach and when Rex was the head coach? I think that there was two years, if I remember correctly, there was a year with Rex and a year with uh, Bowles where it was very similar to last year. I think uh, that the, both of them had them. I'll have to, I'd have to go back and look to see for sure. Um, with Gase, you know, Gase last year, I kept saying, this is a lot of injuries. And if you look at Miami, it, that was the case in Miami. 
because um, you can never look at injuries on a one-year sample size and take anything away from it. You just can't do it. Not in football. There's too many freak accidents and things that can't be controlled. Um, but if you add last year to his Miami years, it, they add up. And that, those are equal there. So that shows a, a, a very possible, maybe even likely problem along something the way is run. Um, I'm not ready to throw anything that happened this year into that category yet, just because of the long layoff, especially players not being able to work out as they normally would. Um, you know, a lot of players in the summertime, they go and they do outside uh, exercising mostly. Um, so maybe they weren't as affected as much, but then other players might do more just strictly gym stuff and maybe they didn't have access to their own gym. So, um, and remember, not all of these players are millionaires and multimillionaires. So maybe some of them felt they couldn't afford to just go buy whole gym equipment and get ready for that stuff. Um, with that long layup, again, this is the reason why they uh, had built in the ramp up period because they expected more injuries so this year. So I'm not ready to lump this all in yet. Give it another week or two. Uh, we're starting to see more guys coming back. And if this continues, especially if it continues during the season, then we're gonna, I'll be able to sit here and say, yeah, there, there's something alarming going on here. Try to figure out what it is, but that'll be a knock against Gase if that continues. But right now, I'm not quite ready to do that just because of the situation, the scenario we're in right now. It's entirely predictable that you're going to have a bunch of these soft tissue injuries kind of messing things up for teams. Final question comes in from Earth to Adam. He says, gentlemen, first time, long time. Is it a pipe dream to hope that Quentin Williams and Mekhi Becton have become friends at training camp and regularly battle each other, not only on the field, but off the field too, perhaps in things like eating contests, rounds of Madden, or even checkers. I would like to think that there's a buddy cop movie in the works down the line. I'm not going to put it out of the question. They seem like two guys that would be friends. I don't know about a buddy cop movie, but if they can develop a nice chemistry, and as we talked about with Quentin Williams and Jedrick Wills when they played against each other at Alabama, iron sharpens iron. If they make each other better in practice and even off the field too, great. Hopefully that's what's going on. It's my pipe dream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, honestly, I don't know that I'd say it's a pipe dream, but it's my dream. Um, it's it's what I want in life. It's all I want in life, honestly, right now. Um, you know, this is another one of these, uh, the downsides of not having open locker rooms because if, if the locker room was open and I could stroll in and I could just sit here and talk to Becton and Quinnen Williams one-on-one -on -one about this, I would do it. Um, but maybe I, I don't, I don't think other reporters would object to this being mentioned on, uh, being a zoom question though. So maybe I'll, I'll try to spring that on somebody. Um, but yeah, it, it, that's the dream, man. Those two guys, uh, especially Quinnen, because, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this, just the big giant kid in him. Um, Becton's got a little bit of that as well. Not, not quite the same, but he's got a little bit of that. He's, he's got some, 
fun playfulness about him. And when you're that size, fun playfulness comes off a little bit different. So uh, they're, they're a good match. It, it will be interesting to see them do stuff like that. The only downside is Quinnen is eating much more healthier mm-hmm. nowadays. So I don't think we can get him on, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to get them to have like an Oreo eating contest or go to IHOP and see who can, uh, you know, clear out the entire restaurant first. Um, I, I think we'll probably have to scale that back to some more of their, their diet friendly foods. But um, the, I, I think we could get that. Uh, need to find out a little bit more about Becton and, what, uh, how much is Becton like Madden? Is, is, is Becton all about the ultimate team and Madden? Uh, is he going to be excited to go home and play with himself as <laughs> Quinnen Williams was excited to go play with himself last year? <clears throat> if you remember that quote, mm-hmm. um, they, they can have some fun with each other. Their, their personalities seem to not mesh really well and bounce off each other. So I do, do think and hope that we can get some type of content with that. I don't know. Maybe I'll even pitch that to the uh, in-house Jets media to get them to try to do some fun things together just just to see it. Because, you know, ideally, perfect world, not dealing with COVID, I'd be the one trying to get this story for myself, uh, put up on my site, get that engagement. But honestly, I just think the world needs this at this point. So maybe I'll see if I can make it happen with with them, the in-house reporters doing it. Here's my idea. Makai Becton's mother is legendary for her culinary skills. I say Makai invites Quinnen over for Christmas dinner, and then we can see some sort of eating competition because by then, Chris, unless they make the playoffs, fingers crossed, they would be eliminated and he won't have to worry about a cheat day. So he and Makai can go to town and they'll know that the quality of the food is excellent because Mrs. Becton will be the one preparing it. There you go. There, there you go. There's a solution. Of course, where you know who knows uh, what Christmas is going to look like. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that. Listen, like I said, a a buddy cop movie with these two. Anything with these two teamed up, I'm here for it. And I think we just the world needs that content. Um, so any any, I'm up for anything. I'm up for them playing. Twiddly winks, thumb wars, whatever, whatever you got it. I'm, I'm with it. I agree. I would love to see something along those lines, or at least a little something that teases in that direction. Maybe the Jets multimedia department will come up with something that they can post on the Jets website, or maybe even something that's like a little segment on one Jets drive or something. But we'll keep our fingers crossed. I do think that the two of them will get along pretty well because, like you said, they have somewhat similar personalities in some ways. So it'll be interesting to see how they mesh as time goes on. Chris Nimbley, the very big deal, covering the Jets for JetsInsider.com. Thanks so much for coming on and answering some of these training camp questions with me. We'll be getting back to covering training camp tomorrow when the practices resume. In the meantime, plenty of stuff up at your website, right, Chris? JetsInsider.com. Yes, absolutely. Got uh, three uh, my three observations up from all the days of camp so far. Going to have more, obviously, coming uh, this week. Uh, we'll have a scrimmage at some point, so you'll want to read that. And then I'm going to start dropping uh, spe- uh, player-specific articles, too and the position specific articles. So I'll have plenty of content coming out this week for you. 
Go ahead and check out Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.